Romans 16, 19. It says, for your obedience has become known to all. This is the Apostle Paul writing by the Holy Spirit to the church in Rome. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan underneath your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this picture. Very simple. Lord, how we love it when your word is just simple. And plain, and you're just direct with us. We thank you for that, Lord. Just pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. That your word as a sword, living and active, would go deep into our souls, our hearts. It says in your word that your word pierces to the very depths of our soul and does its surgery how we need that Lord Lord even as we were in prayer this morning in the book of 2 Timothy where we are commanded to flee youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace together with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And Lord, certainly it's only by the blood of Christ that there's any purity in us, but your word does say the blood purges all impurity. And so, Lord, we just call upon you now out of a pure heart, longing, Lord, for our thirst to be satisfied, for our hunger to be satisfied. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So in Romans 16, Paul is continuing his sign-off. He's signing off this letter. He's signing off. And he takes a long time with his sign-off, one and a half chapters. He 
He's finished his message, Romans, uh, which is Christianity, A to Z. Any, everything you ever needed to know about Christianity is in the book of Romans. Again, theologian, just fall over each other commenting on this book. But that part of the book has finished. And he's continuing a long sign-off. We uh, read last week uh, in, in uh, the earlier part of Romans 16, verse 3. We'll greet Priscilla and Aquila, uh, verse 6. Greet Mary, verse 7. Greet Andronicus and Junia, Ver- verse 8. Greet Amplius, verse 9. Greet Urbanus, verse 10. Greet Apelles, greet Herodian, etc. He's signing off. In this sign-off, we see the rich life that is available to every one of you in this room um, and everyone watching as you, over the course of time, develop deep relationships with those who you work alongside of in Christ. But in addition to greeting certain men and women in his sign-off, He encourages them. He gives them a last piece of encouragement. And so in verse 19, he says, your obedience has become known to all. See, just ending ending this letter, which he said some really tough things to them, he's ending with uh, encouragement. He says, your obedience has been made known to all. And man, it's so easy for me to just continue on reading there and just go on to the next part of the verse. But, but it's just too important. Uh, you've got to get this or you won't get the book of Romans. Obedience to what? I asked this a couple of weeks ago. I actually started jumping up and down. Does anyone remember that spectacle when someone got it right? Obedience to what? What? Oh, wow. Do, do, should I jump up and down again? Yes, Lord! My, my son's up here going, no, don't do that, Dad. Yes, Lord! Obedience to the gospel. Obedience to faith. Look at the last four words of verse 26. Same chapter, verse uh, 26. By the way, little vote. Who says we should make it cooler in here? Who says we should make it warmer? And if you're too cold, raise your hand. Okay. So I, I think at, at Romans 14 that we love the weaker brethren. Solomon, if you could get them to make it a little warmer in here, that would be good. <laughs> that, that's like, I, I'm actually up here jumping up and down, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little cold. So I'm one of the weaker brethren. But la- obedience to what? Obedience to the gospel. Obedience, what's the last four words of uh, verse 26 say? Obedience to the faith. How do you obey faith? What does that mean? How do you obey the gospel? How do you obey a concept? Very same wording at the beginning of Romans. At the very beginning of Romans, very same wording. Which says this. It says, through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about obedience 
to the faith among the nations. Meaning that God raised up apostles. It says here in Romans 1, uh, verses 5, verse 5, he raised up apostles. And and then in Romans 16, at the end there, it says he, he, he gave the Bible. It says, let's read Romans 25 and 26, uh, verses 25 and 26 of Romans 16. It says, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel, Paul gives long sentences here, and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the the, uh, world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures He's made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. That's a very long way of saying in verse 26, he's made the prophetic scriptures known. He's made the Bible known. He's made the Bible known. Why? For the obedience of faith. For the obedience to the gospel. Everyone following me? He he starts off Romans in verse um, 5 of Uh, of chapter one of Romans saying that he raised us up as apostles to bring about obedience to faith to the nations. And then he ends it by saying he's given us the whole Bible for this purpose, to take to the nations to make them obedient to the faith or obedient to the gospel. But again, what does that mean? Obedience to the faith. Obedience to the faith. Obedient to what? Obedience to the faith. Let, let, let me, just a couple verses that we, uh, if I could just back up a little. A couple verses um, from a couple weeks ago when we asked the same question. Second Thessalonians verse one eight says, there will be judgment to those who do not obey the gospel. So you could just as well put obey the faith, who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Second Peter, it says, First um, Peter chapter 4, verse 17, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God, who do not obey the faith? But, but again, what does that mean? How, do you, how are you supposed to be obedient to faith or obedient to the gospel. So important. So incredibly important to understand what that means. If you don't get it, you don't understand Romans. For, and, and again, as we talked about two, a couple weeks ago, what it does not mean, it doesn't mean obedience to a moral code. It, when, you, when, when the Bible, when Romans says be obedient to the faith or obedient to the gospel, to the good news, it doesn't mean obedience to a law that says don't get drunk. Don't commit sexual immorality. Don't lie, cheat, and steal. That's not what it means. It's not talking about that kind of obedience. It's talking about something very different. Obedience to the faith. Obedience to the gospel. Well, um, I have good news uh, uh, about uh, about, um, what that means. Obedience to the faith. Faith. Obedience to the faith that's described in Romans chapters 1 through 11, that's that all those 11 chapters describe what this faith means that Paul is coming in and saying, you got to be obedient to this faith, but I have good news, it can be distilled, it can be reduced to just two verses. In 1 Thessalonians, it puts it like this. This is the faith 
distilled. This is the first 11 chapters in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, and 10 that is distilled to just two verses. 11 chapters to two verses. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whatever, whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. This is the faith that we're supposed to obey. So it says, God did not appoint us to wrath, to judgment. We, we, we were sinners under the wrath of God, but he didn't appoint us to it. That wasn't his will for us. That's not what is his desire to judge us, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. In other words, it's not by our works, it's not try, by trying to be good. It's simply be, by Jesus' death on the cross that we should live together with him. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. And so being obedient to the faith simply means this. We should live together with Jesus, last part of these two verses, knowing day to day, hour to hour, that we're not a pointed to wrath, to judgment, but to an abundant life together with him. So important. First part of Romans 16, 19, where he says, your obedience has been become known to all. And then he says, therefore, I am glad on your behalf. He is talking about obedience to this, not to a moral code. It, 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 and this is, we're so used to that word obedience, the context of it being obedience to a bunch of rules. I just sharing yesterday with a group of college students. And it's just so hard to get it across. They're like, you mean I can't get drunk? You mean I can't get drunk? There's nothing in the Bible that says I can't get drunk. And I corrected them and they, they backed off. But it's, 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 they, we always want, because this is our human nature, we want to get back to our moral code. And God says what? He says, you're incapable of obeying that moral code. You, you need to be obedient, not to a moral code, but to the faith, the good news. And here it is. We're not appointed to judgment, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, not by obeying a moral code, but by, uh, by us making a moral code, uh, but by his death, he saved us so that, last part of the two verses, we should live together with him. Is everyone with me? Kind of, sort of. Everyone with me? Yeah? Yeah? Verse 19 again. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf. Many translations say, I rejoice over you. I rejoice over you. Uh, so we, hear, we see here, Paul's not, Paul is rejoicing. What, what, what do you rejoice in about a church? Do, do you rejoice in, in the fact that, um, oh, it's, it's, the church has a big building or, or, or the church has a worship team that just blows the roof off the worship service? Do you rejoice um, it, it, that, be well, because it's a mega church, it's because the, it, it's got a preacher um, who, who also just blows the ceiling off? Or do you rejoice because the church, your church, is obedient? to the faith, 
obedient, uh, Dave, if we can have 1 Thessalonians again, obedient uh, to, to, to this that's up here that God did not appoint. Yes, Lord, you didn't appoint us to judgment, but to obtain salvation, and now we live together with Jesus. Radical obedience to this. First 11 chapters of Romans reduced to two verses. Paul says, I, I rejoice. I, he, he says there in verse 19, uh, I, I am glad. I am glad on your behalf. And then he continues in verse 19, but I want you. to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Be excellent at what is good. Be innocent of evil. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. There can hardly be a more encouraging verse in the Bible. Listen to me, Christian. Listen to me, Christian. Listen to me. Your life was designed by God to be a lifelong series of crushing victories over Satan. If you are taking notes, and I really hope you are, write this down. Your life, that's what these two verses are saying, was designed by God to be a lifelong series of crushing victories over Satan. You may not look at yourself like that. You, you, you may look at yourself as, as a spiritual weakling. But it was designed by God to be a, a, a lifelong series of crushing victories over Satan. I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil, and the God of peace will crush Satan underneath your feet shortly. The Apostle Paul here, using Old Testament imagery, Genesis chapter 3, first book of the Bible, Genesis Chapter 3, verse 15, judgment is pronounced on the serpent who had deceived Eve. We know from the book of Revelation and other uh, places that the serpent is, is Satan. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 says, the seed of the woman, a reference to Jesus Christ, would bruise or crush the head of Satan. If any of you have seen the, the Passion of Christ, Jesus uh, is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and, and at the end of that initial scene in the Passion of Christ, he crushes the head of the serpent with his foot.
Also, if you, for those of you who are with us on, on Tuesday night uh, in our study through the Joshua, Joshua, you may remember chapter 10 of Joshua when they put their feet over the necks of the defeated Canaanite kings and they slayed them. So he's using imagery here from the Old Testament. Your life was designed by God to be a lifelong series of crushing victories over Satan. In all humility, God, give us humility, please, to accept us. Because, oh, silly, stupid, foolish pride can come in with verses like these. God, give us the humility to embrace this in humility that our lives were designed for this purpose. We've already seen this in the book of Romans. Romans 8, 37 says this. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that's referring to what? Demonic principalities and powers. Romans chapter 8, it says that. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So if you haven't memorized it by now, I'll say it again. Your life was designed by God to be a lifelong series of crushing victories over Satan. If you're taking notes in two ways. Number one, by seeing Satan's enslaving power over you in different areas of your life being crushed. And number two, by, see, by seeing Satan's enslaving power of others around you being crushed and broken. Now, I'm not going to, I can do a whole sermon on this alone, uh, but the Bible says that Satan is a fallen angel. Book of Revelation says that a third of the angels fell with him as a result of a rebellion against God. We live in a spiritual world. where there are evil spirits. But the Bible says, and we live in a very educated city, Boston. They, it's not a popular thing to, to accept in educated circles. There's mockery of this. Well, we could just bring them down to, to Haiti or the flavelas in Brazil, and they would change their mind quick after speaking and seeing some of the things that we have seen. But guess what? He's a lot sneakier in the United States, but it's just real. So for reasons we cannot fully understand, Satan has been given by God sway over the world. Now don't think of Satan as the opposite of God. He's a created being. That's a silly, crazy thought. He's not the opposite of God. He's, he's a created being. He fell from the earth him and, uh, uh, and angels with him, 1 John 5.19 says the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one for reasons we cannot fully understand. I could get into that longer as to what theologians say about that, but the demonic realm is real, and so is Satan. But the Bible says in 1 John as well, greater is the power in you than the power in this world. And as you're obedient to the faith, obedient to the faith, living with Jesus, the God of peace, 
will crush Satan underneath your feet. Let me just bring up a couple of, of verses here of why this is true. Why is it true that by being obedient to the faith, wise in what is good, simple in what is evil, I will be seeing Satan's enslaving power over me and different areas of my life being crushed or broken? Great verse for this. Colossians chapter uh, 2, verses 14 and 15. The New Living Translation really just completely gets this down the best, I think, of the different translation. God canceled the record of the charges against us. The charges against us. Every sin, don't think he's not taken count of it. He is. Every sin you've ever committed, he's taken the count, he's taken the record, but he's, it's been canceled, it says, the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, God disarmed the demonic spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Let me tell you what, let me tell you uh, what, actually, before I do that, let me just go into the, the, the next verse. John chapter 10, verse 10. This is Satan's aim. This is Satan's aim. The thief, Jesus, right here is speaking. He is referring to the demonic realm that, comes, that, that does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. That's what he wants to do with your life. He wants to steal that which is good. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your purity. He wants to bring confusion. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life, that you may have life, and that you may have it more abundantly. And and so... Let's put the the verses that we just read from Colossians together with this. How does the thief steal, kill, and destroy from your life by all that record of sin in your life, the guilt that you have, the shame that you have? You can try to pretend like you've lived this good lily-white life, but you know you have not. And so what that does to a human being it drags them down into bondage. Into bondage. Do we have the Hebrews verse, uh, Dave? Uh, Hebrews 2, 9, 10 speaks of this bondage. Through death, Jesus destroyed him who had the power over death. This is a, that is the devil. And released those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to Bondage. So there's a bondage of the, in the human condition that comes about by guilt, that comes about by shame, that, that comes about uh, by uh, just the memory of, of the past. Uh, and, and it's not only sins they've committed, it's sins that have been committed against. It's only sins you've committed, it's sins that have been committed against you. And these things, it says... All your lifetime, you are subject to bondage to them. But it says that in Hebrews 2, 9, 10, that Jesus destroyed him who has the power over that 
of you. So, uh, Dave, could we go back to the Colossians verse? So if you go to the Colossians verse, it, it, God canceled the record of charges against us, against you, by nailing, nailing it on the cross. When we are obedient to the faith, and we recognize that this is what Jesus has done. He's canceled the record of the charges against you. And you, you say, okay, God, if I, I, that sounds too good to be true. But if you're saying it, I'm going to believe it. Satan is defanged. He's defanged. He no longer has that power over you. To, to, to just bring you into that condemnation. And, and so oftentimes, once we've lived a life of sin, we just can't help by continue it more and more and more because we think there's no option to do anything else. But once, once we understand and we are obedient to the faith, which is God canceled the record of the charges against me. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. It says in this way, he dis disarms the demonic spiritual rules and authorities because what, 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 what Jesus says of Satan is that he's a liar. In John chapter eight, Jesus says that when Satan lies, he speaks his native language. His biggest target, his biggest rather weapon against you is lies, 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 lies to bring you into condemnation to bring you to this place where you, well, yeah, he, he, will, he will try to convince you that you can't help but continue to live this life in the gutter, in the sewer, the sewerage of your mind you can't, that's in your mind you can't help but live out. Can we go to the John 10 one day, please, verse He's just going to try to, he's going to, through lies, he's going to steal from you, he's going to kill from you, and he's going to destroy. But it says that Jesus comes in, and it says he, he crushes all that by his work on the cross, and in, in so doing, he gives life, and not only life, more abundantly. Can we have the verse from uh, 1 John, Dave? Look at this verse. Look at this phenomenal verse. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's talking about in your life and in the life of people around you. We talked a lot about, just so far, about destroying the works of, of the... Your life was designed... <laughs> by God to be a lifelong series of crushing victories over Satan. As you, as you, can we go to the, uh, everyone, we need to applaud Dave. Dave, can you go to the, <laughs> can you go to Thessalonian verses again? As you, as you live out the first two, 11 chapters of the book of Romans, distilled into two verses, that God didn't appoint you to wrath, didn't appoint you to judgment, didn't appoint you to guilt, didn't appoint you to shame, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with it. As you grow in your understanding and knowledge of this, you will be having victories, crushing victories <laughs> over Satan. But don't forget the second part. Not only in your life, but the, the life of people around you. I, I, just, I, I just cannot describe. 
how wonderful it is over the years as I have increasingly become obedient to the faith. And what, what I mean by that, increasing, because I'm still growing and I'm not there yet and I won't be till I die or Jesus come. Increasing in my understanding of how to live this life in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 through 10, first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, that I have seen Satan's enslaving power over others just being crushed and broken. I, 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 I tell you, I, I, just right now, I am involved meeting up with a guy once a week where I, I, I've been le- le- leaving my meetings with him over the last few weeks. Just, I can't believe what the Lord has done. Six months ago, I would have looked at this guy and said, there's no way he would be saying the things that he's saying. There's no way that he would be doing the things that he's doing, devouring the word of God. And you know what? I, 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 I'm, I'm tearing up now, but I laugh. I laugh because I'm, I'm laughing. I'm laughing at Satan. I really am. I'm going, Satan, you loser. You, you, you're such a loser. You're being, you were crushed. The power that you had over this person's life. The laughter, and, and I, I'm trying to say this with humility because pride could come in, but the laughter that has come to my life, into my life over the last 30 years, just laughing at what a loser Satan is and how the God of peace crushes him. Now, it may not be in your individual lives. It may be by just simply being um, an usher, uh, in the ministry, it may be by uh, being on the worship team or Sunday school. Um, over time, it, it may be your church through the ministry of your church. You will see, you will see Satan's enslaving power over others being crushed and broken. And it will just give you so much joy. It will give you so much joy. Your life was designed for this reason. Now, I want to uh, go there and spend the last uh, about 10 minutes getting really practical because this is intensely practical. Note that you will see the God of peace crush Satan underneath your feet, but there's two conditions. Well, there's really just one. That is, if you're obedient to the faith, and you're being wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Listen, there's a condition. People complain about, I don't see fruit in my life. I don't be fruit of the people around me. Well, and, 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 and then the, but there's disobedience in their life. They're not being wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Now, this is a very practical exhortation. Let me give you an example, classic illustration. I'm in, involved in a situation right now, not involving uh, someone in our church, but I've been called into a situation in another church where there's been adultery. And there's going to be many, many people affected by this adultery. And as the facts were laid out before me, 
It was Romans 16, 19. It was where two people not being wise about what is good and instead of being simple as to what is evil, oh man, did they complicate things. What do I mean by that? Well, a woman married to a man starting to do things with a man married to another woman where, you know, oh, you look at it and, you, uh, and, and, and they started doing things together um, and, uh, well, they started complicating things. For example, you know, well, I need to do something for this man because he really has that need and, and if he doesn't do this, sounds too complicated. Get away. You're not being excellent in what is good. I, I don't know who came up with a verse of that song because I couldn't find it in the tra- any of the 50 translations. But that is a good translation of this verse. Don't be just good in what is good. Be excellent in what is good. You've got no business being with that man doing. That is God so small that he needs you to be doing that? You're not being excellent in what is good. And you're complicating evil. It, it, it's... Evil is so simple. It's a, wait, 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 wait. He's not your husband. She's not your wife. Why are you doing that? Really simple. This is why Jesus says the kingdom of God is for such as this five-year-old child up here. That's why Jesus says that. It's, it's obvious to them. But what we do is we grow and we complicate things. Be innocent. Be wise in what is good and innocent of evil. Uh, I, I, Another very easy illustration where I see this all the time. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked. Do not marry an unbeliever. Oh, but there's this guy, and if I, do, if I date him, he doesn't believe God, but, but, you know, I can witness to him. I can bring him to church. I can bring him around Christian friends. Oh, what? You're complicated. Does that, does that sound complicated? Does that sound really complicated? Be simple in what is evil and be excellent in what is good. Movies. There's gratuitous sex in a movie. Clearly a a sex scene where it's just there to to sell. Oh, but you know, this movie, um, it it really communicates uh, good and evil in in a way that I've never really seen. You're complicating evil. Be simple in what is evil. Be excellent in, 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 in what is good. In, in, I remember um, I was born here in Massachusetts and lived all my, moved away when I was nine, although every summer we were up here. But um, when I made, became a Christian in my 20s, I made my way to Miami Beach and the church had been started, true story, and the church is doing fantastic today. One of my best friends is the pastor, Pastor Robert Fine, but it had been started by a Bible study, Models for Christ, a Bible study of models. That's how the church began. And a lot of these, these, these models, so you went into this church, and a lot of them, they, they struggled because they would, be, they would get offers to have some business, but you know, you got to, they're being told you got to shed more skin than probably you've ever shed before. 
and and you know the, they were they were in these dilemmas where this very verse here came into play. Just listen. Be excellent in what. Be wise in what is good. Be simple concerning evil. Yeah, but you know, if I get this job, then I can get another job. And it's once I get to a certain level of modeling, then I can, th- th- then I can demand that they, I only do certain kind of shots. No, you're complicating things. You're, you're, you're not being simple as what is evil. And so what happens? What happens, church? What happens when you are not wise in what is good, and you are not simple of in what is regards to evil. Who winds up crushing who? Who winds up crushing who? Anyone? Satan winds up crushing you. Business schemes. Listen, if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. <laughs> Come on. Be wise in what is good. Be innocent of evil. Well, you know, but this thing, I can just make money and all I have to do is get a bunch of people under me doing the same thing and under them and, and, and look at, you know, you're being too complicated. You're complicating, you are complicating evil here. Now, the context of, of, of this very practical exhortation, be wise in what is good and innocent, uh, be wise in, in, in what is good and be simple of evil is probably the verses um, immediately beforehand. We talked about these last week. Note those who cause divisions and avoid them. And this is really practical for our time is there's just all this craziness, all these YouTube videos being sent. Let me just tell you, when you get one of those things, would you please pray and wait one day before you open it? Would you Because I think a lot of times what happens here, you know, I just want to see what's going on out there, and it's really good for me to know just all these theories, and who knows, maybe there's some truth to this. What are you doing? You are complicating evil. A lot of these things will suck you into a world, and they'll spit you back out. And you'll be the one crushed by Satan. Be wise, excellent in what is good, and simple or innocent of evil. Okay. There you have it. The next part of the last part of verse 20 says what? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. We need the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to get this right, don't we? We need the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that our life was was designed for this glorious purpose, Lord, not for defeat. but for a lifelong series of victory, Lord, so much that drags us into bondage, so much that drags us into defeat. And Lord Jesus, we recall again to our minds that which you told us, that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it 
more abundantly or have it to the fullest. Oh, Lord Jesus, will you bring that very thing to reality into our life even as we become obedient to the faith. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.